as we remain standing at prayer. We will shortly listen to God's word and hear it spoken to us. And so we pray for grace to receive and power to faithfully fulfill what we hear. O Lord, we beseech you mercifully to hear the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that we may both perceive and know what things we ought to do and also may have grace and power faithfully to fulfil them. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is taken from 1 Kings, chapter 19, uh, verses 1 to 13, and can be found on page 336 in the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. And then he went in the strength of that food for forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle 
and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. And there, there came a voice that said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the Gospel reading. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John, chapter 21. Glory to you, O Lord. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the lakes. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, when you were younger, you used to fasten your old belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate 
the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this he said to him, follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we give thanks for your word and we pray that it would transform our hearts, that we would live lives on fire for you. For we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you um, took an eagle eye at the top of your orders of service, you'll have seen we have a theme today, and that theme is vocation. Um, Over these coming weeks, many of the weeks, we'll we'll have a theme uh, that we will be musing on and meditating on. So, vocation. I remember when I was leaving school, and I was considering what qualification, what sort of trajectory did I want to head in, I considered the idea of vocational degrees or non-vocational ones. Uh, My sister, uh, quite a few years older than me, had gone and done speech and language therapy, a vocational degree. She had done a particular qualification for a particular job. Likewise, my dad worked in an FE college. He taught land surveying. You did a qualification for a skill to do a job. And so... Often when we think of vocation, we we think in that particular way. But in a Christian context, in a church context, what are we thinking of when we think of vocation? Now, I wanted to put a little um, caveat that sometimes I think we can think wrongly about vocation. Sometimes we think vocations are the sacred professions. I'll put air quotes. I'll use them a few times. Having a collar, being a a mission partner. But by doing this, we create two tiers. We create those who have those vocations and those who don't. Special things, and we could call them not special things. So today, I want to emphatically say that's not what we're talking about. Because... I believe that there is no higher calling that we can have on our own lives than the thing that we are called into. And so that as an opening idea. So a little working definition for us this morning on the concept of vocation. Vocation is the unique calling that God has on our lives. Vocation is the unique calling that God has on our lives. Now, a little caution to this as a working idea. That doesn't mean something else. That doesn't mean if I want to do something in my life, then God must be in it because I want to do it. If you're inclined to think that way, read the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah, it's only five chapters long, but it's a classic example of someone who thought, God has one idea, but I've got another idea. Uh, And a, a short summary of the book, it doesn't go so well for Jonah. So how do we discern what God has for our lives and go in that direction? I've picked two uh, passages of scriptures, one of Elijah from 1 Kings 19 and then one of Simon Peter and hopefully that will 
open up this idea of vocation and what God has for us in our lives. How do we discern it for ourselves? If it's unique, how do we work it out for ourselves? So let's um, think about that 1 Kings 19. You're welcome to have it open in front of you. A little bit of background to where we are in 1 Kings at this point. Elijah has recently had a major win over his great rival, Queen Jezebel. Things are going pretty well for him, but undaunted, Queen Jezebel feels quite a bit of a sense of retribution about her, and she has sent a messenger to Elijah. And we go from this great high to this great low, all of a sudden, Elijah is distraught. He has no idea what to do with himself at the beginning of this passage. So he heads out into the wilderness, lies under a solitary tree. He asks God if he can just die. Basically says, I, God, I don't like this calling anymore. It was fun while I'm winning, but do you know what? They are really mean. Like, he just turns. It, it was great while things were going well, but you know what, God, maybe it isn't for me. Elijah falls asleep, only to find, wake up and find some food at his head. An angel has provided for him. Have some food, Elijah. I love this. God essentially saying, Elijah, you're not being rational you're being a bit rash, you're tired, you're hungry, have some food, then we'll talk. I love that in the 21st century, we sort of essentially have a, a term for, for this. Have you, have you come across hanger as an idea? When you're being unreasonable because you're too hungry. I like that. I, I get that a little bit myself. If ever I'm being unreasonable, do offer me a biscuit. And it says that he is strengthened for the journey and heads out for 40 days out to Mount Horeb. Now, Mount Horeb should, should sort of um, ring sort of uh, resonances for us. It's not always called Mount Horeb. It's sometimes called Mount Sinai. But through a number of places, this is the meeting place. This is the place where you do business with God, the place that... The Ten Commandments were given out on two stone tablets to Moses, the place that was covered in cloud and too holy for the people to come and approach. But this is the place of encounter. So this morning, for us, where is the place of encounter? Where is the place where we do business or need to do business with God? I think it's it's important to remind ourselves that you know, God called Elijah to that really significant place. And maybe it's not a place. Maybe it's, maybe it's a state of being. Maybe it's a state of readiness. But Elijah had to be prepared. He went through that 40-day journey to be prepared for the encounter that is going to take place. So Elijah arrives at the mountain. And what is the question that greets him? 
What are you doing here, Elijah? That's a bit frustrating when you've just traveled 40 days. And actually, this question is asked twice in this passage. I don't know if you noticed it. It's a bit of a sort of a bombshell when you notice that the beginning of the encounter starts with this question and the end of the encounter has exactly the same question. Now, you might think that was because he wasn't getting it. But actually, when I read it through, it's the same question, but it feels a completely different question when it's asked at the beginning and a completely different question when it's asked at the end. But here at the beginning, Elijah, when he's asked the question, responds. What does he say? I've been zealous for the Lord, for your cause, but they killed the prophets. They're after me too. You know what? They want to kill me. They're really mean. Elijah has lost his nerve when it comes to his vocation that he has. And the angel who provided food for him earlier in the encounter says, go wait upon the mountain. And we we get this strange series of moments. There was a great wind, so strong that it could split the rocks. But God wasn't in that. Then there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. Then what? Sheer silence. When Elijah heard this, he wrapped his face and went and stood by the entrance of the cave. And the Lord of hosts passes by. And what does God say? Elijah, what are you doing here? It's funny, it's that same question that he had before, but it feels so different. It's not that you didn't get it before, it's that you have been led into this place of encounter, and in this place of encounter you get what you're about. Now, this is the ending of the reading that we had this morning. But it, Elijah goes on, and it's the confirmation that he needs to do the vocation that he is about. It gave him the confidence to face his fears, to face those who were opposing him. He was no longer about, God, they're just mean to me. He understood the vocation that God had for his life, And he understood in the place of encounter with God. The thing that gave him confidence was the voice of God speaking into his life. Now in our gospel passage, which you're welcome to turn to as well, Simon Peter has, again we use air quotes, gone fishing. Now, That's what Simon Peter did before he met Jesus. So actually, this should raise alarm bells. Um, Jesus has died, he's resurrected, he is um, walking among the people, but they haven't really encountered him all that many times. But it says that Simon Peter has what? Gone back to the day job. What does that mean? To me, that is, that is heart-wrenching. 
that is saying, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I didn't get it. Maybe I should just do what I think I'm probably quite good at. Not listen to what God has for my life. But come daybreak, and they've spent the night time fishing, a common way of fishing, how's it going for him? Turns out he's basically caught nothing. Turns out the old job isn't going so well for him after all. So Jesus turns up on the side and calls out to the so-called fishing experts, cast your net on the other side. What happens? A huge catch of fish. Simon sees that moment for what it really is. And he calls out, it's the Lord, he says. He sees that moment for what it really is. What's the giveaway? I think again, just like 1 Kings 19, when you hear the voice of God, you are changed. And when you know the voice of God, you know it. And upon hearing Jesus speak, he is changed. A curious aside, both of these episodes seem to have um, a moment of eating food before God speaks to people. I don't know what that means, but I noticed it in both of them, and it seems to be a bit of a theme, so I thought I'd mention it. Some people probably are more reasonable after they've had food than on an empty stomach. Jesus says to Peter three times, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And Peter is hurt three times. But Jesus doesn't say, will you feed my lambs? Will you feed my sheep? That's not what it says What does Jesus say to Simon Peter? He says, do you love me more than these? He says, yes, you know, Lord, that I love you. And it's out of this response that Simon Peter receives his calling. He receives his vocation out of the question, do you love me? It's not, do you have the skills? It's not, will you do this thing for me? It's, do you love me? And from that place, he receives his call. So what do these two passages teach us this morning about our vocation, our calling from God? I believe that vocation in a Christian sense, what God is calling each one of us, comes from the confidence to know the voice of God in our own lives, being changed by it and going out in the power of God into whatever God has called us into. The confidence to know the voice of God, being changed by it and going out in the power of God into whatever God has called us into. Do we know that for ourselves? Both our passages relied on hearing the voice of God and being changed by that moment. Both Elijah and Peter 
were given new confidence, new direction when it came to their lives. I've got a a couple of book reviews for you this week. Um, The first, I'm not sure if um, you saw, didn't really get much traction, but one of the great saints of the church died at the age of 96 this week, Brother Andrew the real uh, saint of the church. And if you want to know what hearing God's vocation in a unique way looks like, um, his first book, God's Smuggler, he's got quite a few, but this is the absolute classic. Uh, and if you think, oh, I read that quite a while ago, this is one of two books apart from the Bible that I've read five times. I think you can't overread this book. If you're looking to get excited about faith, and the possibilities of what God could call someone into, it's a fun place to start. And then um, my other book is about the workplace and what God's call looks like in the workplace. Uh, And this is Ken Costa's God at Work. If you want a reference to it, I'll have it at the back. This is a good one of working out. If you're in a workplace, if you're in an office environment, Where is God in all of that? I think it's sometimes one of the ones that people struggle with. Ken is one of the uh, great sages on finding where God is calling you into without feeling you have to leave the uh, work environment. So if you'd like to discern that, it's a great, well-written book for you. Now, if you have a niggle, that God is calling you into something, that God is speaking to you. Um, Our wholeness team gathers over on the side and they would love to pray with you, pray into whatever you're sort of wondering, what is God calling me into? Don't sort of leave it um, unanswered. Do invest in prayer. It's out of the voice of God that we have the confidence to walk into the calling that he has for us. So do, at the end of the service, um, or after communion, go and seek the Lord. Um, With others, it's always good to pray together. It's so important for us this morning to discern the voice of God for our own lives. If nothing else, like in these passages... The ultimate thing that changes is confidence. They had the confidence to go into the thing that God had called them in because they knew that God had spoken to them. And so my encouragement to us is when we know that God has spoken to us, we will have that confidence as well to achieve great things for God. Shall we pray together? Lord God, thank you for the call that you have on our lives. We pray that you would be speaking into each one of us, that we would know your voice in our lives, that in whatever age and stage we are in our lives, that we would know you drawing us into the vocation that you have for us, the great calling that you have for us. We pray that we wouldn't run away from it, but we would be drawn into it and have the confidence that we know that we are walking in step with you for our whole lives. For we ask 